0: For epilepsy, there is hope. Hey podcast listeners, Tori Robinson here for Epilepsy Sparks Insights, a podcast about epilepsy, epilepsy research, common comorbidities, and all of the fascinating science behind it. Whether you have epilepsy, are a family member, a neurologist, neuropsychiatrist, therapist, neurophysiologist, scientist or researcher, Epilepsy Sparks Insights is designed to help you learn more about epilepsy from the other side of the table. I'm a person with epilepsy and some missing brain tissue. I hope to help bridge the unnecessary gap between patients, the public, and the aforementioned. Because epilepsy research and science are cool. Hello, fabulous humans. Today, I'm delighted to introduce to you Julie Nice, who's a medical scientist at um, at Biteflies. Biteflies are producing a personalized wearable seizure monitoring device, bit of a mouthful, which is like a mini EEG, which you place behind your ear. Um, and it's much more subtle than a regular EEG. Um, this is generally for people with refractory epilepsy, so uncontrolled seizures. And to effectively, fingers crossed, improve their quality of life and so that they can have their seizures fingers crossed, more effectively treated, provide really useful information basically for the clinician. Um, Julie is somebody who's just a lovely person and has become much um, more interested um, in actually how epilepsy affects people as a whole. Their quality of life, how it affects people psychologically, in addition to, you know, neurologically. So if you're interested in learning more about her work, please continue to listen and to watch, or make sure you subscribe to the channel. And let's get ready to hear more from Julie. Thank you so much for being with me and everybody watching, listening. Can you tell everybody a bit about yourself, please?
1: Thank you first and all for inviting me. If I see the past speakers or the people you interviewed, it's really an honor to be here. Um, and also I like that you introduce people from different backgrounds in epilepsy uh, community and field. So I'm a, a medical scientist ambassador at Biteflies. So I had a background. I studied biochemistry, so I'm trained as a scientist, um, But my parents are in social care, etc. So I always, yeah, wanted to make a difference. It sounds cheesy, but it's, but it's true. <laughs> so after 10 years, I think, in academia, I um, was approached by Byteflies, which is a, a med tech company here in Belgium, who really have the mission of bringing wearable technology um, to to outside the hospital to people who need it to follow up their health and help professionals take better care of them. Um, So, and and I'm in the group working on epilepsy, Uh, that's why I'm here, evidently, and how I met you, I think two years ago in Brussels. I think it's three now, because before lockdown and and I think about a year before that. Time flies. So, uh, where we have been active in, yeah, with a lot of amazing neurologists, researchers, uh, private companies, uh, other startups, um, to work together to develop kind of a wearable seizure detection device. But in the end, much more than that, really also, okay, how do we bring it to market? How do we get it into the hands of neurologists? What does it need to, to get in clinical practice? Instead of just making a device, uh, it's more about, okay, what's, what tool is really needed to track people at home that are diagnosed with, with epilepsy and what can help not only the neurologist, but uh, how can we also empower yeah, the people affected, the families, the caregivers, but also governments, regulations. How can everybody better understand what is missing in the field? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When are things happening, how many are happening? How can we yeah, push that that boundary forward? That's a bit what we do. Uh, so our team is working on Epic Care at Home, it's called, um, which is yeah, basically a tool, which is hardware, software, Patient um, guidance, education, etc. Uh, to people that have a known diagnosis, so it's not a diagnostic tool, but really ones where you already have a background into the etiology of the the person. Uh, how follow them up in their daily life, you know, in the comfort of their living room when they're going to school, having a party, or yeah, coming together with family, but also in stressed situations, you know, maybe the, as a kid, the day before Santa Claus comes or the day before you have a big test at school. These are often, yeah, the periods
0: where seizures might be triggered. Yep. Stress or excitement, even. Load of kids have them around Christmas and New Year because all oh, this exciting presents. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much, man. You can't be too happy. You are gonna have a seizure. <laughs>
1: but yeah, there's nobody there or there's no, yeah how you say a medical device hooked up to you to, to, to measure it. Hmm. So we want to do that in a discreet way because I understand it, it should be not too obtrusive, um, in a comfortable way. So that's where wearable technology. And I think other technologies in the field from other companies as well, digital tools, better education, better care can help. To capture what's really happening in life you know when you're doing
0: the things you do on a daily basis so that people can picture this so the device so guys i've worn this and i yes totally look hot with it on of course but <laughs> so yeah, goes to, it is, this is for temporal lobe correct for now yes and for absence seizures uh-huh. um as well yeah yeah so yeah like I, i've worn it behind i've like applied it myself put it on behind mm-hmm. my ears as i said looking hot as and yeah. Um, with a few wires and stuff. And it's like something on your phone um, that links up to that. And, but since I I gave it a shot, things have come on further. I think like really sort of advanced, you've advanced the development of the product and the service, right?
1: Exactly, because I think when you were wearing it, it was still with with cup electrodes and then we went away for that. So I think the biggest changes, yeah, maybe I I show it like- um, Oh, you got it, cool. Yeah. To measure brain activity, you need, electrodes and you need something close to your head, right? You have the headbands, which of course can be useful for during the night or when you're in your home. But A lot of people are also um, not really comfortable with wearing it all the time. Um, So we are also together with some some private partners uh, and researchers in Belgium developing these uh, patches. So they go behind your ear. So you almost don't see them. I should have put them on. So they go like this. Right? So you don't have to put them in the hair or it takes like five minutes to put them on yourself uh, and they actually stick quite well. And the goal is to, to measure indeed brain activity from behind the ears. So a bit like hearing devices. Uh, we tested this, of, of course, also with the input from people with epilepsy and, and how they feel comfortable about it. And we're still improving it uh, to make you be able to sleep with it, uh, wear glasses with it. You're like, you're wearing the headphones, all of these things that actually happen in daily life. We want to make it as the best compatible fit, but still making sure that the data that's collected is really clinically accurate because yeah, our value is also towards the neurologist to have better insights, but that means better insights means good data, which they can make that they can understand and that they can make better clinical decisions on. So Which is, can be a good because you don't have to school.
0: faff about like going to the hospital. Because I think sometimes that's a real pain, like can really stress people out, can make you tired, especially if you've got a long distance, you've got to travel and it's like, oh my God, this person's going to like faff about with my scalp and like lots of people aren't comfortable with that. Um, and then there's the scratchiness as well sometimes. I mean, I don't really care. It's just a bit of a scratch, but some people are quite uh, sensitive to that, so. Yeah, indeed, and with, especially also with
1: children, uh, or people live far away from the hospital. I, I live in Belgium and Europe, which is still quite okay. Everything is quite close by, but I can imagine in the US or in other countries where the next epilepsy center might be five hours exactly. away. And as a parent, you need to take a day off uh, from work. You need to try and as a kid, it's also yes, a scary environment. So being at home is always better, I think. But we do want to make sure we don't give the hopes of like, okay, we're going to replace the hospital. We still think video EG has its. A tremendous uh, advantage for diagnostic purposes, and and to really, yeah, or pre-surgical evaluation, right? All these type of things stay important. We want to be an additional tool, you know, a bit of a uh, building the bridge between what's what they do in a hospital, but giving it an extension and building the bridge towards yeah, what what you report yourself or what you observe, um, your diary if you even have one, because it's also a huge burden, I think, um, but kind of. Yeah, backing you up, giving you a backpack with real world yeah. data and, and like what's happening with your physiology, your sleep, your heart rhythm.
0: Yeah, because people just think about the brain but they often I think, um, and by people I mean, often those of us who are not clinicians or scientists think, oh, it's just about the brain. And then if you put electrodes on your head, any abnormal or OTT brain, brain activity is will be identified. And it's not that simple, right? And I know lots of people that have, myself included actually, who've been in for video telemetry um, so in EEG whilst you're being videoed, and nothing abnormal or extracurricular activity was identified. I was chilling out, man. And this is really common. And so that's why I think ambulatory EEG so ones you can have at home, can be really useful because you're in your regular environment, duh, 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 duh. Um, but you know, it's still something that takes up a lot of time to apply these EEGs. I mean, neurophysiologists that do it are amazing. It takes a lot of, you know, incredible, immeasurable skill, you know. And then you've got your like lovely little pack that you have on the side, like a, a handbag or like a yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, with all your lovely wires and stuff. And so your product doesn't in any way replace that, but it's kind of more chilled out than that. Yeah. I think, and also it's it's really more
1: to. Of course, you need all these, yeah, these many electrodes, and and the video are of course to help the neurologist mm-hmm. really make, yeah, differential diagnosis. Is this really epilepsy mm-hmm. or not? Where is it localized? But then, indeed, like you say, it's really a spot check. It's a snapshot, and if nothing happens, it's very expensive, expensive as mm-hmm. well. Uh, sometimes you have to stay five days in the hospital, also to privacy reasons, being watched all the yeah. time. They're more pleasant things, I think, uh, to do. So we want to yeah, help. Yeah, it's really a tool to, to count seizures that were already characterized before. So a neurologist already has kind of your fingerprint in a way, your unique pattern, because it's very different from person to person, we know it is. But if you have that, you can look at and look for these patterns in the home environment and now better have an idea of how many are happening, yep. right? And when are they happening? How long can they last? They last? How long did they last? Is the medication that the person is on working or not? Or are the side, maybe the medication is working and they are seizure free or almost seizure free, but maybe the side effects are affecting sleep. Like it's really a tool to, yeah, instead of doing guesswork and and empirically trying to go, try this, try this, try this, really speed that up and, and get the right person on the right treatment or the right care pathway as soon as possible because I've heard that from your personal story as well, this can take 10, 15, 20 years, Mm. which really blows my mind of there is technology. We can get more data. We can back up the neurologist and the person's affected, like we could speed this up so much more. um, Also to a certain extent, I think other technologies will be needed and new drug development, new other devices, gene therapy, which is exciting, exciting stuff. So I think that all together will, will help speed that up in a way and and also reduce the costs to not only the families, but society to hospitals and really make it more, yeah, tailored and targeted, specific. Uh, Those are the typical things I think we are striving for. Yeah, because if
0: you, the longer it takes to get controlled seizures, if you're lucky enough to, of course, um, receive receive that, there'll be a reduction in expense to the hospitals, fewer ambulance rides. This is generalizing, of course, but um, you know, in treatments and potential surgeries, as you know, like fractured clavicle because of bad seizure and stuff, you know, and then also, you know, if you can get more effective treatment earlier as a result of things like this, then you can hopefully um, reduce the, or at least the period of time that you have to wait to, or to experience um, very common psychiatric comorbidities. disease. Um, Just address things, earlier more effectively and also it's just like really quite fun to do at home I think like I understand that some people get stressed out about it and stuff but I think it's really cool Mm -hmm. to have some personal involvement in your actual monitoring of your brain activity you know and there's like people also you know your colleague that um, helps people you know, put this on. Um, and yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, we think that the human factor is, yeah, you can bring a device to,
1: to the neurologist and, and and you can build an app and, and a dashboard like software to help visualize the data to the neurologist. But then you mentioned, I think one of the also important factors is, is the human touch, you know, and the feel of, we will help you get this uh, get this straight because we see that with a lot of people we we uh, are measuring that they're super engaged, super interested. They want also feedback like how is I how am I doing? Did I do it right? What is my brain telling? Um, how is this gonna help my neurologist? And there you see so much interest and um, yeah, they they want to do well and and they're really looking for okay, what's gonna have the impact now next on my on my track record because. They do, we do get a lot of the question, oh, is it also giving an alarm, etc.? That's not the case yet. We're really focusing on just extending that monitoring period outside the hospital. That's like our first, let's say, goal and, and helping getting that on that faster treatment. But that doesn't mean in the future, indeed, when, when algorithms and software, uh, uh, the, the buzzword AI gets better, then we can take that step. But you have to be very careful before going there uh, to make sure you're, yeah, what you alarm is is really something real, right? So I think there's already a lot of value in just monitoring and having insights in your disease progression or the how the epilepsy evolves over time and how you should match that to the right treatment options. That's already a huge value on its own, I think.
0: I completely agree. I, I see, understandably, like lots of people with epilepsy and, and other diseases. You know, they'll say, "Well." I want this device or this aptitude this this, and this is this, and this well sometimes it's better to have a device that does something brilliantly it's of high quality the data is reliable um rather than having your finger in so many little pies and it's all a bit pants we'd much rather have quality over quantity of functions and i think that's what you guys are doing right now isn't it like focusing on quality readings as you say, to provide information data to your clinicians, um, but at the same time making it really cool for the people using it. Yeah, oh, you are the one yeah, always pushing for that, the coolness factor and making it,
1: especially when you go, because this product is also for children. So for pediatric um, purposes and and yeah, there you also have to be very careful um, that, that they want to wear it and, and that it also feels them empowered instead of, I don't know, making them feel more stigmatized and that the parents, feel supported, etc. So it's very interesting to work with these different types of families and and neurologists and, uh, and also actually to look at the the competitive space. I, I don't like the word competitive because I feel we're actually more synergistic than competition at this point, because there's of course, many other device companies or, um, or, um, digital therapeutics or more software platforms that try to integrate many epilepsy care centers more together like you know we're all pulling on the same cord, and and i don't feel it's direct competition because as you know epilepsy is super complex and every everybody has kind of their unique profile and and needs and i think you can also not expect from one company or one software or one device to help all of them right we need to be kind of a a portfolio and then the neurologist or someone, and, and, and the families themselves, depending on their context, depending on their needs, uh, can then decide which one fits the best or a combination of them. Like you can wear a watch and you can wear our system, or maybe you have uh, it's better to have a subscalp e.g., as yeah. well. I mean, there are many options, a lot of cool technologies getting there. I think the biggest hurdle for most of them, or at least the ones that are not consumer focused, but focusing on, on, on being a medical device and being in the hands of hospitals and then prescribed by neurologists towards, uh, people uh, affected. We have to go through a lot of certification, medical regulation to prove safety and efficacy, which, which I think is really good. Um, but then uh, that part is, is manageable, but then we also have to show to, to governments and payers. Hey, this needs to be reimbursed both for the, the totally. patient and the neurologist, because this, you can imagine already, if you start measuring at home a few days, a few weeks, this, all this data and uh, big data also needs to be processed, needs to be looked at. And we are doing our best to build, um, yeah, analytics or like software to help find regions that could potentially be relevant for clinical decisions but still it will take some time of neurologists to review and they also need to learn to deal with this new type of data and they're yeah showing the economical value as well towards society and of course towards the personal lives of um of those affected that that's going to be yeah very important to get reimbursement and get epilepsy really on the high priority list not only of research but also of how to change care pathways, because it didn't change for the last 20, 25 years. There's billing codes for neurologists or hospitals for, okay, a classical video EG visit, but then it's and maybe one or two days ambulatory EG like, yeah.
0: but that's it. Exactly. It's like, oh, you know, and often that isn't enough. And we were talking no, before exactly. about some papers that we've read in different countries of the uh, financial expense to countries and economies of refractory epilepsy and it is absolutely huge like we're talking billions per year and some of the I mean numbers that we were talking about we think are underestimated anyway right and so for every single person in the world investing in this type of technology um to benefit people with epilepsy and their families there is this ripple effect to the rest of society and it will actually reduce the amount of money that is spent on caring for or um treating people with epilepsy as well as kind of like bettering their lives and making their lives worth living you know we have to prove this
1: and that that will be i mean there's a huge willingness of neurologists and also organizations so i i A lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people say it will be a big blocker, but that's what I love about Byteflies. for instance, is we, we don't step away from that challenge. You know, it's like, okay, maybe we're still a company that's growing. We're a small team, but we're confident with the right partners, with the right connections, and there's a lot of super willing neurologists that, that see the value, uh, pharma industry, other, other tech companies, it's amazing um, what we can do together. And I think that realization is, is coming and we shouldn't be afraid for something that's not there. Somebody has to be near it. Right. And we're not going to step back because we see how much it's needed. And it's been a long time enough that nothing has changed. So somebody has to do it. Of course, we need to find the, 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 the financial means and build the network to do that. But I think the future looks bright to, to believe in that. And uh, I'm happy. I'm in a company that says. Yeah. We don't step back. We we go for this. It's needed. We put ourselves behind it. We'll see what comes on the way and try to be agile and, and yeah, take as much knowledge from other people into account and, collaborate with the right people to, to, to yeah convince people it's right? not about, um, about ego
0: and making money I mean obviously that kind of comes in handy sometimes motivation but that's not what this is about it's about improving and, and just to a, a really cool thing I think to end on is you were going to tell us about a lovely story of somebody of course whose ID you won't disclose but who was pregnant um, and you helped her with her epilepsy just tell us about that we were talking before about the shift from being in clinical research to
1: clinical practice and and the the most yeah for me motivating and i think for the whole company working on this is uh when you feel when you close that loop and you see the clinical value so indeed there was a story where we were working with a hospital here in belgium um, with a lovely epileptologist and she uh we just did a, a small demo or introduced what what Epicare at home was, uh what for which patients is valuable and she said, oh, actually I saw um one of my um patients was actually I saw her last week she's she's pregnant, so she had to switch medication um to, to safeguard safety yeah, for the yeah. for the, Some drugs for the baby. Are best when you're pregnant exactly so she had to switch and she she started to feel she she was diagnosed with with um she had a juvenile absence epilepsy before but she was actually seizure free and now she she started to feel absences again or she she felt she was absent and she was getting really stressed about it um of course with the pregnancy as well there's of course a time issue so the neurologist called us and said okay i want to try this uh, and and uh, also the person Uh, affected said, uh, I I see a lot of value in this. So we teamed up, time was crucial. We measured, I think for one week. Um, So we measured her brain activity with these behind the ear uh, adhesives and the the wearable technology. And we looked at her um, brain activity and she herself also reported how many seizures she thought she had. And I
0: bet it was way more, was it? Did she have way more than she thought?
1: Yeah, I think we got five times more. So on average, she had like 30 a day um and she only reported yeah five times less uh but based on that combined information still valuable information from herself and i think her partner her husband together with the with the data we could objective data we could collect and we were sitting at the desk with the with the neurologist and she was calling her assistant like come and watch look how, how well the the seizures are represented you can really see the absences in the raw eeg traces uh and she's like yeah okay this is way too much for one day Indeed, we need to switch, uh, we need to increase the medication. Um, and yeah, she she was also happy, like, she only had to look at the data, but all the support during the week, we did with our patient care experts. So she called with the patient to make sure the adhesives were good. We had a team in the background checking the quality of the data, right, to make sure, because the time was also very sensitive, um, to, to measure it. and. Um, then seeing that immediately value um, and making it more predictable, okay, she has so many seizures, probably average a day, the neurologist felt much more informed. And then she made a certain decision to, to, I think, increase the do- the dosage uh, or F of the new drug and, and then follow her up again. But closing that loop felt so good. I came out of that meeting and I was like, this is why we do it. And this is just yeah. one story, right? It- I hope they're, and we're building much more, but if you tell this also to like, imagine she didn't have that. And she was just relying on the diary and they didn't get to that right medication. She was, I don't know what the risk factor is of, of them having stress and all these other types of having, or more, more severe diseases
0: well. and being tired because she's pregnant and, so, yeah. and- so many different things but it's interesting they use it like obviously this is just a one-off and we don't want listeners to think oh this is the same for everybody it's not the case it's just an well, example of what of a great thing that can happen but like, I know um of one person. She ended up in hospital, unfortunately, status epilepticus, and um, for a, quite a long time. It was, it was awful. And anyway, and then she said to me, we were texting, oh, I've had one seizure today. Anyway, it was something like five, six times as many seizures, and she had no idea. And they were tonic-clonic seizures because her memory was just busted by the seizures themselves and the drugs and everything. And it was just really interesting for her. And so that's why I kind of put these two things together. And I, when I've um I spoke to another person, another one of our podcasts, um, Rohit Shankar, and he was talking about how um there was because one of his patients was nonverbal, it, they were not uh, an intellectual disability they, they could not communicate to him directly what was going on um but and his mum and dad thought that he was having a certain type of seizure and was telling Rohit this but it was not the case he wasn't um the person was not having these types of seizures and stuff so they so Rohit eventually found this out after quite some time because obviously these communication issues and then changed this person's drugs which was amazing for improving his life you know, but this could happen sooner if you have a good um, sort of system. Uh, assuming you have temporal lobe epilepsy, you know, to um, to find information like this out about people. And like you say, we've got we've got a while to go. But this is like realistic hope for people, and I think that's amazing.
1: We're not in the alarming and the prediction, and of course, the field is working towards there. It's a long-term vision, but the value you can already reach with just yeah characterizing seizures, but also basic physiology that is happening can already tell you so much more than what we were doing right now with the guesswork uh, and the burden, because I can imagine, I mean, you can better testimony to this, but every time you have an appointment with your neurologist every so many months, oh, I have to th- what, what what happened and I need to make sure and, and remember everything. And like you say, yeah, what if you're nonverbal? What if? you 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 lost your mind? What if you live alone? What if they happen during the night? There's so many unknowns, which we push on the shoulders of the families. And, and also for neurologists must be very frustrating compared to their colleagues, for instance, who work, I don't know, in, in other disease fields where you do a test or you do a screening, there's a value, okay, bomb, this is this or that, and now I adjust. For them, it's, I mean, I really have a lot of respect for neurologists and epileptologists um, for, yeah, dealing with the soul of people, dealing with their, their life track based on so little data. Uh, so, I mean, it's hard, it's hard, of course, on the families, but I, I wouldn't disregard the, the powerless they also feel. Um, and I noticed that in the collaborations we have that a lot of them are willing, especially also the young generation, are willing to take these new tools on and, and explore Give it a shot. Maybe it doesn't fit for a certain amount of people, but it does fit for others. And and some of them even say after a first meeting, "Oh yeah, uh, I will help you with the with the documentation towards the government, right? To get reimbursement. I we really want to push this forward." And I'm like, "Wow!" Like to feel that uh,
0: motivation and eagerness. I was really surprised by that in a positive way. Surprised because yeah, that's um. And there are heaps of us out there, heaps of people with epilepsy and mums and dads carers who are up for this. We just, uh, and for helping out, it's just a case of, well, hopefully this helps, but making people more aware of what you do and that you're there and that you're open to this. And, and just another example, and we'll let you go in a sec, but everybody, um, I had Bite Flies invited me to do a talk at their company recently because they wanted to understand what it's like just for, yeah, I'm just one person, but. From the perspective of somebody with epilepsy, especially refractory epilepsy and comorbidities, and um, and then of course mentioning other people that I know who are amazing and what it's like for them, and so that's what kind of what is a really positive thing that we have today is companies like yours actually caring about the individuals that you're hoping to help long term and taking into account our perspectives because it's pretty important if we're the ones that are going to be using the tool or the product, whatever. It's got to be it's got to be cool, darling. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's not just about the technology. that's why I think our leadership uh, decided also to invite you because they, they, they poke on this every day. It's the impact. It's not the technology, the cool, you can make the best product the coolest technology, the coolest algorithm, whatever, always keep that impact in mind. You know, uh, We call this our bite flies coefficient. It's, just, it's a mathematical way, but it's instead of other co- companies have often these KPIs and uh, you were finances and objectives, etc. For us, that's all centered to what is the impact. And with that, the story of the, the pregnant lady, eh, you. that's one that it's difficult to put a number on it, but that's what you should strive for. Um, and and that, that spirit, or you could call it even a bite-flies bite, religion, <laughs> I, I really vote for. I'm an atheist, but for that part, I'm standing, I'm, a, I'm part of the gang
0: fully. I'll be with <laughs> you. I'll join. Thank <laughs> <Check. laughs> Okay, Bril, thanks so much for joining us today, Julie. I've been waiting months to interview oh. you because you and your company are amazing. <laughs> so thank you.
1: Thank you for the opportunity and uh, keep raising awareness. I think it's uh, as equally as important.